RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. It says if I'm compelled to boot up the Zoom meeting and the webcam and get out the microphone. It must be Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, and that must mean I'm John Champion. It's Mission Log Live. And I'm Ken Ray. Let's say seven-ish, shall we? Yes, it is Mission Log Live, the show where you, our Star Trek pals, join us, your Star Trek pals, to talk about Star Trek. And it's not just limited to track. Oh, no, no, no. It can be about anything you like. We're here for you. And tonight's show is all about you. You've sent us questions and comments. We've read those questions and comments, and we're going to answer those questions and comments. And if we don't know the answer, I promise you, we will make one up. We've also got you standing by, ready to call in or join us on the Zoom meeting. What's that you say? You're not sure how? Well, you can join us by clicking on the Zoom meeting link, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or you can give us a call, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call, 669-900-6833. Then you punch in the meeting code that's on the screen, and uh, and yeah, we're off to the races. Yeah, well, that's the truth, and uh, speaking of being off to the races, so now right away, right away, people were asking, because I, I like to say hi to people in the chat, and uh, Chris said that he was going to take bets on uh, what pin, what lapel pin I'd have on tonight. Now, you, you can, you've got on a nice, just a solid, shiny Delta right there. Yeah, I do. I've got one of the uh, one of the Discovery Deltas. Is that, um, you know, I'm wearing it. It's, uh, it's communications. I think it's engineering. It's engineering. 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 There yeah. you go. I, I do not have on a pin tonight. I have a brand new jacket, brand new jacket arrived in the mail. I, I had to put it on and I didn't have time to pick up a pin. So um, I'm, okay. I'm disappointed in myself and I'm sorry to uh, to let everybody down. Can I ask really quickly? You say it arrived in the mail. Uh, were yeah. you expecting it? I was. Oh, okay. I was. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was just... expecting a box that had clothes in it. Didn't know yeah. specifically what would be in there. But hey, but I got this jacket, and uh, and I'm going to rock this jacket. You know what I? You know what I got in the mail today? This is What's no that? lie. Uh, I got a cape. You got a cape. I got not a Superman cape. So uh, think geek. Before they decided they were going out of business, they ran a sale like uh, three or four weeks ago. Uh-huh. And, and one of the things that they had on sale was uh, was a Lando Calrissian cape. Yeah. Oh. Got one. Now, there's no oh. point in, like wearing it while I'm sitting down because well, that would just look silly. But yeah, I, I, so it's interesting that we both got outerwear in the mail. Yeah, today. yeah that, that's yeah. cool. Now, uh, Donna appropriately says two demerits. To, to me, two demerits, John. You're right. Can't argue with you there. Uh, there's Casey. There's Carlos. There's Scott Palm. Uh, Chris, again, hello back to you. Uh, let's see. There's uh, Carlos, uh, Casey, Dave, uh, Alan. And uh, Alan says, by the way, good evening, all. Not late for one. So it's good to have you here. There's Michael. Uh, there's Kim. There's Tomas. Uh, there's Paul. So many people joining us. Say hello. Uh, now, here's what I need for you to do. I need for you to call us and join the conversation. I, this conversation's about you. Yeah, I, I picked up some questions, some comments from earlier. I might have plugged those into the show notes, but it's way more exciting when you call us and we chat about whatever is on your mind. Because I know you got stuff on your mind. Absolutely. Yeah, so we do want to thank you all for uh, checking us out here live on Facebook, or uh, maybe you're catching us live on YouTube, youtube.com slash Roddenberry Prod, because that's a thing that happens. Uh, maybe you're catching the audio podcast later. However, you're getting this show. We want to thank you for doing it. We do want to ask for one more favor. Wherever you find the show, please hit like, please hit share. Because the more people know about the show, the more people turn up at a live show and then they're calling in. And then and then we have to expand from like an hour to maybe an hour five, <laughs> maybe even an hour and 10 minutes. I don't know. Uh, that's the kind of growth we're shooting for. Yeah, no, I like that idea a lot. Hey, uh, before we get into the rest of the show, let's talk about what is coming up. Well, uh, we have to say a big thanks to Larry Nemechek for a last week's stellar cartography event in Sandstar. I heard today from the people at Sandstar that was the best attended Trek event so far. Uh, really? So, yeah. So way to go, Larry, on that. It was a, it was a packed house. It was really cool. And there were um, there were uh, the conversation went, you know, a few different ways as conversations can with Larry. But then additionally, people in the audience were like, well, what about this thing? 
And it went everywhere from how did they end up naming these real planet, you know, whatever, real star things to just crazy questions about the Borg. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was, a, it was an interesting group of people there. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Not surprising, actually, now that you say that, because uh, it was a packed house. So, so yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so that was awesome. And the video is up on YouTube, youtube.com slash Sansar. And they posted out some clips on uh, social media as well. So you can take a look at the whole thing, even if you weren't able to attend live. But I'm telling you, uh, live VR with Larry is, um, I-, I would say it's as fun as live in real time in meet space with Larry. Wouldn't you say? Uh, you missed the facial expressions. That's the one. Uh, that part. is true. That is yeah. true. But yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty much just Larry in VR. It's like <laughs> Larry's Larry, you know, and so right. so you know, put him in the virtual world, and it's and it's Larry, right? Pretty much. Now, coming up on June twentieth, we have the premiere screening of White Room in three hundred and sixty degrees in VR. This is an experimental short film that Roddenberry did a few years ago, and very rarely have you had the opportunity to see it in actual three sixty. So sign up at Sansar.com. You can create a free account there. You don't have to have the goggles, but believe me, if you do and you're standing there, you're just going to be able to look around and see the whole movie in 360 degrees. It is very cool. We've been able to check out the uh, the theater that took so long. I, we started promoting this, what, like nine Fe- years February. ago? Okay. February. Okay. Literally, like- honestly, February. We started talking about doing this screening. Yes. And uh, and yeah, now we are we are we are two days away from it. As and it is going to be awesome. Ken and I will be there and we'll have special guest Greg Aronowitz, who is not only a special effects wizard, but he directed this short film. So he'll be there. He'll be able to answer questions. Uh, the whole film runs about 20 minutes, maybe not quite 20 minutes. So we'll have a nice chunk of time to uh, pick Greg's brain afterward. And then uh, what about in Meat Space, Ken? What is happening in the real world that people should know about? Well, I don't know if you can really call Comic-Con the real world, but it does exist in, you know, well, real space. Uh, yeah, we're doing a meetup at Comic-Con on July the 18th. That is Thursday at 4 p.m. at Havana 1920. So that'll be me, John. I don't know. Do you think we can get Rod to a bar? Ooh, boy, that's kind of tough. But yeah, I'm, I'm hesitant to even bring it up. Uh, yeah. yeah, actually, I don't know when he's getting down to Comic-Con, but I can't imagine we would have. Well, I mean, I, I can't speak for him. Hopefully we'll have Rod there. Definitely John and I will be there unless we're. Well, shh, anyway, yes, that's, that's <laughs> the plan. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's going to happen. And then, of course, we have uh, the Roddenberry Presents panel is going to be uh, at Comic-Con as well. Don't have dates or times on that yet. Uh, Larry Nemechek is once again hosting a podcasters panel. Don't have dates or times yet that we can publish. Um, we, we've sort of been told maybe, but you know, all dates and times subject to change until they say, all right, go tell everybody. So mm-hmm. yeah, just circle those four days of Comic Con. What the 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st. Is that right, John? Yep. Yeah. So just circle those four days and, you know, make sure that you bump into us while we're down there. And then, of course, uh, after after you know spending time by the sea, just a couple of weeks later, uh, we're heading off to the desert, John. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. We're going to be at STLV Star Trek Las Vegas. Now, the landing party is for the people who come in early. If you get there on that Tuesday night, July thirtieth, we will be at the Masquerade Bar or some semblance thereof. We'll have trivia. We'll have well, well. There's where we get Larry in Meet Space. That's where you get to see all the facial expressions. Uh, we'll be doing trivia. We'll we'll just have a grand old time. And then you're gonna have the Roddenberry panel there. You're gonna have the Mission Log panel uh, topic. TBD. You're going to have the Rodberry Podcast Network panel, also topic TBD, that we've been kicking around some good ones. So yeah. um, if we see you in Vegas, even if we don't see you at those events, we'll be at the Roddenberry Island in the vendor room pretty much all the time. And when I say all the time, I mean when we can get dragged out of our rooms and get enough coffee to be coherent or not coherent. But we'll be there. We'll be there at some point so you can find us there. I think we should actually, we talked a few years ago, um, what's the one about the people who are at the edge of the galaxy? We talked about this actually last week in Stellar Cartography uh, with Larry. Oh, oh. Uh, so by another name, the uh, the Kelvins. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I think we should do that. Like, remember, we because yeah. we talked years ago about we should just have little like, you know, styrofoam cubes that we put at the table when one right. of us is there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. either way, yeah, come get your picture taken with us. 
or the little styrofoam cubes representing us. Mm-hmm. Either one would yeah. be a, a fantastic thing for you to do. Hey, we've uh, we got a poll question. Uh, both well, we'll recap last week's poll, John, and then hit this week's. Do you want to do yeah. last week's or this week's? You do last week's because you do that second part so well. Okay. All right. So last week, of course, we had our friend Chase from IDW Publishing to talk about all things Star Trek comic books. And we asked you about a Star Trek Star Wars crossover comic. And the the choice is pretty obvious. It was, yeah, 30% or as Darth Vader himself would say, no, 70%. So 70% of you, the majority are absolutely correct on this. That actually, that question came up again in uh, Stellar Cartography as well. I think we were joking about, um, there was a guy there who, who said that just that event blew his mind because he didn't realize that all of Star Trek happened in our galaxy. Oh, yeah. And so yeah, he had yeah. kind of always wanted to bump into somebody from Star Wars. And then yeah. we all pointed out, well, that's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And right. so I was talking about how to get there and, you know, all that stuff. And there was one guy there who was really jazzed by the idea. And everybody else, you know, was pretty much in the new category, as you say. Yeah. Our poll question for this week. Do you get your Star Trek news through social media? John, there's actually a great show that people could listen to for their Star Trek news, but I think we might tell them about that later. <laughs> yes, that is true. The question we have now is, do you get your Star Trek news through social media? Yes, 83%, no, 17 Now, I think there may be a reason that you wouldn't necessarily want to get all of your Star Trek news through social media. Yeah, well, and here's the thing, you know, we might get our Star Trek news from social media or entertainment news in general from social media. Uh, but I guess the problem is whether it's a yes or a no, you can't say if that is a reluctant yes. <laughs> you know, it might just be sure. because it's the reality of how you get it, that it just happens to be there in front of you. Uh, but it always comes down to checking the source. And that might be uh, some topics we get into tonight. I was inspired for today's poll question by as we were talking about Larry, Larry Nemechek's Trekland Live, today's episode, he goes on about 1.30 Pacific time in the afternoon. And uh, boy, he was in a mood. He was really in a mood. And uh, for a good reason, because he had to set the record straight about just some crazy stuff out there on the Internet that gets picked up and perpetuated and reshared in social media. So... If the only place that you get your news from is social media, uh, from other people tweeting and sharing rumors, well, you might think that this piece of news was actually news when it was actually a rumor being shared as news. So, uh, yeah, we, we can get into the details of that. Uh, Ken, you, you heard any good news lately? <laughs> um, no. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, there's, well, okay. So if you want, are we talking about the show you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, The thing that we've been uh, talking about a lot and about which we're really happy is a new show on the Roddenberry Podcast Network called Daily Star Trek News. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's Daily Star Trek News. Allison Pitt, uh, you might know her as Kenna from Priority One, uh, has has, uh, given up her Priority One role because she thought, hey, you know what would be better? Five shows a week. So Monday through Friday, she's doing uh, Star Trek news. And she's actually, I mean, doing it sort of the same way that I do Mac OS can and that I don't go out anywhere and pound the pavement or things like that. But I'm not going to see something on, you know, Joe Schmo's blog and say, oh, well, that must be true. Um, there's, she does quite a bit of work in making sure that the stuff that she's bringing is as well sourced as it can be. And if the source is flimsy, but everybody is talking about it, she she might be like, all right, so here's the thing that everybody's talking about. I'm not sure why. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a good entertaining source of, uh, of, of, um, if you can call anything an entertainment news, it's a good source of entertainment news, uh, all about Star Trek stuff. So Monday through Friday, daily Star Trek news. Uh, find it at uh, the Roddenberry Podcast Network, podcast.roddenberry.com or uh, radio.com or Stitcher or uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store or basically wherever you get podcasts, you should be able to find it. And if you can't, get a better place to get podcasts because it's out there. <laughs> Uh, waiting for you. Well, yes, and that's the important thing is that uh, Daily Star Trek News is attempting to do news as opposed to claims 
and rumors. And it's so funny because Rick here uh, just said in the chat, haven't you heard? Picard is in trouble. Discovery is secretly canceled. It has to be true because someone posted a video. Um, and that, that was sort of the news, the, the shocking news, which is not news of the week. Alex Kurtzman fired from Star Trek, from all of Star Trek, because he's in charge of uh, pretty much everything that CBS is doing as Star Trek right now. He's the, the executive in charge of all of that, the executive producer of all of that. And, uh, this, this news item started going around and it's not news. It was again, a rumor, but right. it's, Yes. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though, and and I'm not I I don't know who reported this originally. I don't know anything about them. I don't know if they thought that what they were saying was true or if they were just looking for clicks. Star Trek has not had the easiest ride over the past couple of years as far as who is at the top. I mean, Uh, I I understand why people would assume that it was true, because there was a shakeup in the writer's room last year. Uh, The guy who was originally who created Discovery didn't even see it through its first episode of Memory Serves. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get why people would think that. But it also I mean, there are lots of lots of haters, it sounds like, who just, you know, who sort of thrive on the on the on the chaos on whatever bridge we happen to be talking about. <laughs> yeah. And it's unfortunate because uh, all, all of this stuff, you know, uh, like I said, a claim or an idea or a rumor gets floated out there. And then it, it's just sort of pouring gas on the fire that, that, uh, that this stuff c- keeps getting shared and shared and shared. And uh, I was glad to see that, uh, that Larry did everything he could to set the record straight today. He did a great job at that. Um, but as people are saying here in the chat, because Ken, we, we have a, a wide, and studious audience. They're the ones who were saying, look, I knew that was fake as soon as I read it and uh, don't give them a click. And uh, yeah, they, they were simply looking for clicks. So this is all really good to, to hear that uh, at least this group of listeners, they don't buy it um, and absolutely don't buy it until you actually see something in the actual news reporting. So Deadline, who did this fantastic interview with uh, with Alex Kurtzman, again, a, a well-represented and well-regarded uh, publication from the industry. Yeah, that's that's a good source to go to. Hey, um, I, I know that we've got a couple of people holding on here. So let's jump right into it and let's go to Robert, who has been uh, holding on the line for a moment here. Robert, how are you tonight? Doing good, sir. How are you and Ken tonight? Very good. Excellent to hear from you. And uh, what's on your mind tonight? What's on my mind tonight is, well, let's just get into the rumor mill reading yes. on social media. I think that yes. seems to be topical. Is, uh, Quentin Tarantino in an interview was talking about uh, his excitement for doing a Trek script and doing a violent version of Star Trek um, where I believe the consequences of actions would be shown through to their violent ends rather than cutting off their making it PG rated, making it more R rated. And I just wanted to see what you guys were thinking um, about if that is proper for Star Trek. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, to hear that this is another one of those things that I'm not sure why that came up this week, except apparently it was like a line or two from a magazine article that Tarantino was interviewed in. But I don't think we actually heard anything that we hadn't heard before and that we had heard that when he was possibly talking about doing a Star Trek thing, he had said it would be R-rated and here it is again. Um, you hand it to Tarantino. I mean, he's going to make a Quentin Tarantino movie. And so... It's not surprising at all to hear that it would be R-rated. Personally, I'd rather not see it, I think. I mean, I'll go see it. Don't misunderstand. Like, if, if, if he makes that movie and it's a Star Trek movie, I will go. I would rather they not do that with Star Trek. There was a, um, there was a Batman comic that I searched for for years. I can't remember who wrote it. I can't remember anything about it. I knew, though, for a long time. It was an issue of Penthouse Comics, and this is why I could never find it, because, first of all, try to find the magazine Penthouse Comics and then try not to be embarrassed as you're digging through boxes and boxes and boxes of Penthouse (laughs) Comics. But the thing is, 
this guy had actually been this guy and i can't remember which artist it was now but this guy had been tapped to write a batman comic and he gave it to dc and they're like we we there's nothing we can do with this we can't do anything with this and so he made up a new character and he handed it over to somebody else and ended up in penthouse comics instead and i heard that it was an amazing batman comic that everybody was like yeah this was never going to be batman but what he wrote was amazing Maybe do the McAllister again, not the exact McAllister, but maybe do something that, that, you know, people watching it can be like, oh, yeah, this is obviously Star Trek without it actually being Star Trek. Do you know what I mean? I would be interested to see Quentin Tarantino play with something like that. I don't want to see him play with Kirk, Spock and McCoy. I don't want to see. Personally, I was confused enough by what we were showing people with the first season of Discovery and concerned about what kind of messages that was sending. I'd be really worried about, you know, any messaging that might come from a Tarantino movie, or maybe messaging is out the window at this point, as far as Star Trek is concerned. And people are just having fun with their science fiction franchise. John, I'm curious what you think. So I'm really torn on this. I mean, I think you make a good argument uh, for, for what it maybe should or shouldn't be like, go play in another sandbox. Um, but I, I will say this. So there's a guest uh, who we've had on the Trek files before, who I'm trying to get on Mission Log Live and, and should have soon, uh, who has deep ties to Star Trek, but he also has deep ties to the man from uncle. And the reason that I bring that up is that uh, this person worked in some capacity in every version of Man from Uncle from the beginning until the the most recent, which was the 2015 Guy Ritchie film, and and buried within there is about a 10 year period that Quentin Tarantino was working on a Man from Uncle feature film, and had gone so far as to have picked out a novelization, or I shouldn't say a novelization, it was a novel, a uh, Man from Uncle novel that he really liked, and uh, turned that into a screenplay. And had spent, like I said, a decade working on this thing. And it never happened. And the reason I bring that up is to say that even a guy like Quentin Tarantino can have an idea, can work on something really hard and for a really long time, and it just not happen. So whenever you see something in an interview where it's Quentin saying, I finished a script, uh, great. That that really doesn't mean anything until the cameras start rolling. And that doesn't mean anything until the cameras stop rolling. And it's in the hands of an editor and a distributor and actually makes it out to an audience. So I think we can all chill about the prospect of it actually happening until it actually happens. Now, if it actually happens, I really would want to reserve judgment until I see that movie. I think uh, we, particularly as Trek fans, we get very worked up about what might be instead of what actually is. So that's important. And the other thing is that I um, see this is where being a host of Mission Log is uh, is tough. And it separates me a little bit from just being the fan that I might have been otherwise. Because here's my co-host making a good argument of saying, you know, we look at Star Trek for the messages that it has or or that it hopes to have or that might maybe even indirectly we get from it. But I also say, well, as a fan, sometimes I like to see a story told in a really offbeat, maybe inappropriate, quote unquote, inappropriate way. So we're talking about comic books. Well, there are comic, you know, Batman is a big umbrella for a character that does a lot of different things. And, uh, for a while there when DC was doing the Elseworlds comics, well, you have Batman and Gotham got by Gaslight and you got Superman in Fritz Lang's Metropolis and you have all these other things that don't fit quote unquote canon. But you can have the characters in these different places doing different things and just go, wow. Okay. Well, that was somebody else's take on this story. Uh, that's fine. It doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the other stories that I also have read uh, or, or seen on screen that are represented as Batman or Superman or whatever character I like. So I want to be able to appreciate it as that. And then I'll put on my mission log hat and grapple over the idea of what messages might be there and what could potentially be, uh, I won't say a hyper-violent, but certainly a more violent version of Star Trek that we've seen before. 
I don't know. I mean, hyper violent would not necessarily be wrong for Tarantino. It it may not be. But, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino has he he's made different types of movies depending on what the movie called for. I'm really anxious to see uh, uh, what is it? Uh, One summer in L.A. Once once upon a time in Hollywood. Once upon a time in Hollywood. There we go. Uh, Because I know that there's some dark subject matter there, but it's also it's not Pulp Fiction. It, yeah, it, something else. Something's being told the way that story needs to be told. So, um, look, all I can say is he's a talented filmmaker. I need to reserve judgment. I will. I will put this one thing out to the universe, and and you know, because I know nobody with power is listening, but maybe the universe will. Um, when I heard that Tarantino might be helming a Star Trek movie, my immediate thought was. I want to see that, but then I also want to see a Martin Scorsese Star Trek movie. And then I also want to see, a, eh, go ahead and do a Steven Spielberg if you want to. I would like to see a bunch of different, but almost like the Elseworlds imprint that John is talking about. I would like to see something where it is not, this is continuing the Star Trek story. Rather, it's it's episodic movie making in a way of just like, right. So here is this director's take or this writer's take on star trek this is the story that they would tell if they were doing that but man you're asking paramount to spend a ton of money on what really could end up just being art house fair at that point the sophia <laughs> sophia coppola's star trek that would be kind of uh oh i'd love to see that yeah that'd be yeah, yeah. yeah. lost in translation meets well, i might have lost my translator <laughs> okay. robert can't thank you enough Thanks for calling in with uh, a provocative question. No, no problem. Uh, I just want to say I'm a Tarantino fan, and I'm torn the same way. It would either be brilliant or a train wreck, but I would still watch it. (laughs) Right. So there you go. There you go. Thanks so much for calling in, and and do it again sometime, okay? All right, sir. You guys have a good night. Take care. You too. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. Or um, what's the other thing? Oh, our Facebook page. I'm sorry, I was looking at my watch, John, because I think yeah. it's. I know we have Keith standing by, but I've uh, got a little bit of business to do, and yeah. then and then we'll uh, we'll get to our next caller. Yeah, a quick bit of business here, and you, you've heard me mention him before, and he's there in the chat tonight, our friend Scott Palm. He's right there chatting away like he does. Well, it's time to single you out, Scott Palm, because we are still in the midst of our fundraiser for Scott, uh, and that is, of course, the heroic curriculum that he has developed with the Pop Culture Hero Coalition and our other good friend, Chase Masterson. Now, the heroic curriculum is dedicated to two goals – the first of which is teaching children with serious disabilities, resilience, healthy identity, breaking barriers, and other crucial mental health and life skills. The other goal is to help teach the peers of those children with disabilities great values like inclusion and ending marginalization and being an ally. Now, October is Bullying Prevention Month. So if we reach our first goal and we are more than halfway there, Scott's program can start almost concurrently with the school year and run for a full six months. It is great work. It is important work. And it is not the easiest work because of Scott's cerebral palsy, which is why the Roddenberry Foundation is joining with you to help Scott help the world. So go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash mission log pod or Twitter, twitter.com slash mission log pod. You will see a link pinned at the top of the page in both of those places that will take you directly to the fundraiser. Every single dollar that you give will be matched by the Roddenberry Foundation. So you'll be contributing to something that truly embraces the values of Star Trek and you'll see those put into action. And remember, again, the Roddenberry Foundation doubles your donation. One dollar becomes two, five dollars becomes ten. Go there, facebook.com slash mission log pod. Look for that post, make a donation. If you can't make a donation, I understand. Just share that post, share it with everybody. We certainly do appreciate it. And you might help make the world a better place. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or go to the Facebook page and uh, click the thing right there. I'm saying all this, by the way, so that people understand the kind of fun they're missing if they're only listening later. 
come by, say hi. Look at John's jacket, won't you? Because you can't <laughs> see it on the audio. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Keith, you've been very patient. It's good to see you again, sir. What's on your mind tonight? How are you guys this evening? Doing all right. Doing well. It, it's funny because for the longest time, I would always listen to this show the following day during my podcast. So when Mac OS Ken was over, when Daily Trek News was over, I'm like, what am I going to listen to? Because it's not Thursday. And I'm not listening to the cult cast from the guys over at Cult of Mac. <laughs> or, you know, I wasn't listening to um, Larry Nemechek doing the Trek files. I'm like, oh, I could listen to last night's mission log live. And it's awesome. Well, thank you. See, that, that, that's why we did it. We do it. You know what? There, there's a guy out there that there, let's call him Keith. There's, there's a, a hole in his listening schedule. What can we come up with? Tuesday nights. We're well, for, for me, the irony was I always wanted to join you guys live, except that I'm recording my show, Computer Talk Radio, uh, and the Computer Talk Radio Nerdcast, along with um, the Trexperts Roundtable right? at 10 yeah. o'clock on Tuesday nights, so I could never join uh, you. Uh-huh. But my co-host moved from L.A. to St. Louis, and so we now record an hour earlier, so we finish at 10. So that's why I've been joining you guys the last couple Oh, fantastic. Uh, how'd the show go tonight? So far, so good. Okay, good. <laughs> that is good. Uh, so what's up, man? What uh, question or comment or big idea have you got for us tonight? Well, talking about all this stuff going on in the rumor mill this week, you know, it's, again, a very polarizing subject for the people who are Trek fans, people who are haters, and people who are gatekeepers. And really, at this point, I just think between everything we've seen in the first two seasons of Discovery, everything that's happened since, I'll just say Bad Robot, from J.J. to Kurtzman to everybody in that camp, and now we're going to bring Tarantino into it, who I think is a very gifted filmmaker. In fact, Kill Bill Volume was the Kill Bill Volume 1 was the first movie I had a date with my wife with back in 2003. Um, so he's a great filmmaker. Yeah, still. <laughs> yeah, bl- wow. Believe it or not. Um, but, I mean, with talk, I mean, I've even heard some people talk about that if he does make this movie, it's going to be a TOS script because he's a really big fan of the TOS um, era. And that potentially Brad Pitt would be cast in the role of Captain Kirk. Hmm. So we wouldn't be re- recycling because I hear Zachary Quinto talking about getting all excited about working with uh, Tarantino. And I'm like, has he not heard that he kind of does not want to use the JJ verse cast to do this? Well, I mean, see, now we're doing the thing that we were saying earlier today. People shouldn't do. That's exactly my point. So, <laughs> yeah. but these are the things even for guys like us who are Star yeah. Trek podcasters and diehard, you know, Star Trek is a true love for us. Even with all that talk going on, it starts even our minds going in those directions. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it, by, by the okay, so by by the way, um, yeah, I I would be all for recasting uh, uh, completely. I mean, because if it's Quentin Tarantino Star Trek, I feel like his name actually goes above the title. In that mm-hmm. case, it is Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek. Um, I would be all for recasting. Uh, now, Brad Pitt, I'm going to say that Brad Pitt is definitely older than Shatner was when he made Star Trek II. Oh, most assuredly. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be some really interesting casting there anyway. Well, come on. They, they CGI everybody for the Avengers movies and for uh, the X-Men movies. Well, okay. That's true. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Um yeah, I, I don't know. And, and by the way, ju- just to completely throw a wrench in the works here, Scott says in the chat, I think there should be a Pixar version of Star Trek. I do not disagree with you, Scott. That, that that's go to see. a brilliant idea. Yeah, I would pay good money to see a Pixar version of Star Trek. So- I, I just think with everything that deviates from the first what seven series and the original series and next-gen movies, mm-hmm. everything, everything post-Voyager, everything post-Nemesis, that has come after that, whether it's the JJ movies, whether it is the first two seasons discovery, whether it is what Picard materializes to be, it's becoming more of variations on a theme. And I think, I mean, cause I, I've been a diehard canonista for the longest time, but <laughs> you know, cause it was all about, you know, like even when Alec Peters came out with Axanar, I was like, wow, that looks like the kind of Star Trek I want to see. And I think if we're really going to keep appreciating Star Trek and not get hung up on all the differences, 
uh-huh. just start to have to appreciate that everybody that comes in to do their take on Star Trek, it's not an altered timeline. It's not this. It's not that. It's just variations on a the theme. I mean, it's 50 plus years old at this point. It can't be the same thing it was in the 60s. See, that, as, that's much, what I'm as, gonna... much, as much as I would love to see more of that. It well, can't realistically be because the kids today won't watch it. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. It, it would a, a little Keith in 1986 has said a similar thing about, well, you see, you have you have Star Trek and you have the animated series and we got these four movies and really and that Star Trek and everything that comes after it is a variation on a theme. Meaning no, no, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. Okay. I have always been one of those people, and I think I'm in a very, very, very tiny minority of Star Trek fans where I have never been like, I've never cherry picked. I've never been like, oh, I like this, uh, this show, but not that one. You know, it's like, okay, if I were to say Deep Space Nine was my least favorite, that's to say the least favorite of all the things I love. It's like saying, what's your least favorite flavor cookie? You know, I love cookies, <laughs> but you know, for me, it's all one big Star Trek universe. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, when you look at the fact that Next Gen takes place 78 to 80 years after the original series and that Deep Space Nine is an offshoot, you know, they, they started off with Picard there and they start off Voyager at Deep Space Nine. You are made to know that this is all part. Each one of these is an encapsulation of a larger universe. And I've never looked at any particular Star Trek show as its own entity, I've always looked at the entire Star Trek universe. So I'm just looking at it like, okay, everybody new that's coming in to create is creating their variation on this theme. Yeah. Well, see, that's why you don't get hung up on words. And you said it. You said the C word. You said canon. That's why you don't get hung up on that at all, at Mm -hmm. all. Because it's not a religion, it's not a holy book, it's not uh, something to be revered. It's an idea, it's a piece of literature to be picked apart uh, for its morals, meanings, messages. At least that's the way I look at it, and and that's what I like to do every week. Uh, Shameless with, plug for Mission Log. With with, with my uh, illustrious co-hosts. So, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Ken, can I see you uh, chomping at the bit there? No, 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 I'm uh, fine. Okay. I mean, I, I, it's, I, forgive me, I, please continue. I, no, I totally no, 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 no. I lost my train of thought halfway through okay. there. I apologize. So. His right. train of thought derailed. It yeah. did. It did. Yeah. But um, yeah, look, I, I, um, I, I think this kind of goes back to that original question about uh, a Tarantino track and how, how do we feel about somebody else taking the reins and putting their stamp on it. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm fine with that from an artistic level and just from a consumer of pop culture i am so good with that i'm not a canonista when it comes to things like the james bond movies certainly because that's another big franchise to talk about um or uh or you know look at the the batman films and everybody freaked out when michael keaton got cast as batman and that's not batman because do you remember do you remember what they said john mr mom they said mr mom gonna play batman yeah, and, and, you know and I was right there. He was, was one of the best Batmans yeah, there was yeah. since Adam West. I was right there with him. I was as a how old was I? Fifteen something. Like that. I was right there with him. Oh, this is a mistake. See. This is terrible. It's going to be awful. You can't so have you Mr. Mom playing Batman. If you hadn't one, seen, you hadn't seen Clean and Sober. Because I think <laughs> Clean and Sober. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was 18 when Clean and Sober dark. came out, yeah. and he was amazing in that. And then they said he's going to be Batman. I'm like, yeah, I'm there. I'm there for that. Because, yeah, no, because, I don't think most people had seen him in Clean and Sober who would be going to see Batman. Well, you know. I, 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 I think when it comes to Star Trek, I think when it comes to Star Trek, the one fundamental problem I think I'm having when I examine it from a much more exploded view is serialized versus episodic. Because I don't care that someone else has put their own spin on the 10 years before TOS. I don't care if they're taking the long game to answer all the questions. And by the time we get to the end, we've got answers. The problem I have is that you take shows like Grey's Anatomy and any other uh, uh, serialized show. You don't go back and watch one specific episode like you do 
you watch The Trouble with Tribbles or The Inner Light or The Way of the Warrior. You know, you've got really, really, really awesome episodes that stand alone. You can go back to them time and time and time again. I don't find myself really able to do that with Discovery. Even really <laughs> cool episodes like the finale of season two, we get to see a lot of the of Pike's Enterprise. I don't find those rewatchable. And so the only real problem I have in the Trek universe is I would rather see more things going forward be episodic rather than serialized. I find it much more watchable, and I really hope Picard is episodic. Yeah, well, I, I know that Ken would agree with you, and I, I know that I agree with you that um, that is a challenge of going all in on the uh, the serialized nature of Discovery. Um, but that's also a problem with, I feel like, the way that TV is consumed now. And, and Netflix, for better or for worse, it created this beast where it's like, okay, we're going to release all 13 episodes of a thing now. Now go. And you consume it in a couple of weeks if you're a diehard fan, or maybe a couple of days if you're a diehard fan of something. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that CBS decided to spread out uh, Discovery at least weekly episodes. I feel like it would have been a huge mistake to release them all at once. Uh, but it, it, but what's, what's Amazon Prime going to do overseas? Yeah, right. I, I have no idea. Yeah, but it, it changes the way that you ingest a show and then it changes the way that you can go back and analyze that show. Um, in my estimation, it's not as good a way to watch, but I, I'm glad that I'm glad that discovery forces me to catch it on a weekly basis rather than trying to, you know, constantly, Oh, well, I got to see the next one. I got to see the next one. I got to see the next one. And I got to go back and watch four of them at a time. Um, I, I, but do, do you have uh, the same problem I have? Do you guys have the same problem I have of rewatchability? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a handful of episodes that, that stand out as rewatchable episodes. I mean, you go like, yes, that episode is a singular great episode. But even when we discussed the finale of season two, there was a lot of buildup. And I felt like, oh, OK, well, I can take the last two as a chunk. But it's really hard to separate those last two. Sure. You know? Finally, one, one last note. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ken. No, 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 please go ahead. I was just going to ask you, um, with how popular Anson Mount was as Pike and having cast Rebecca Romaine, do you think with the petition that got so many signatures that CBS is actively considering a uh, Pike pre-TOS series? I, I, I don't think that any petition should ever dictate what any artist creates. I think no, I don't think I, so either. But the question is more like, do you <laughs> think that the fans have demonstrated, hey, there's a demand for this. There's a want for this. We've created something. We should spin it off. Do you think that that's something they'd be considering? I, I hope that the powers that be realize that Pike was a breakout character and that that Anson Mount is awesome and Rebecca Romaine is awesome. And I hope that they want to create more stories in that world, in, in that particular slice of Star Trek. So uh, it's a difference between hoping it and thinking it. Um, I sincerely hope it because to me, that was such a huge highlight of season two. But you guys, knew that, you guys knew that about me coming into season two before we'd even seen any of it, because as soon as they announced Hanson Mount, I was like, yes, I'm done. Sign me up. I'm ready to go on this journey. Yeah, so, one, of, one of the other yeah. Trexperts uh, on the Trexperts, uh, pod, the Trexperts Roundtable podcast that I uh, host said to me, do you really think they built that gorgeous bridge, bridge set and all the below decks sets and a, and a quarter scene if they weren't going to do that? Do you think they're just going to build that for that and then destroy it? Oh, no, that, that gives me pause to think. Yeah, they're not they're not they're not being stingy, though, with that. Didn't they fly somebody to Europe to pick the right color blue? For, <laughs> well, that's true. Uniform? I mean, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. there's no problem with them you know, building that set and destroying it because, you know, they're, they're just made of money on this thing. I mean, they're investing for the long term. So, I mean, yeah. I think they would be crazy to not consider it. But I mean, there are so many other moving parts. What's what else is Ensign Mount up to at this point? And 
have his fortunes increased any. I mean, the Inhumans was an ungodly disaster. But then, you know, he goes straight from that into into this thing in Star Trek where he blows everybody away. So, I mean, mm-hmm. is he as easy to get now as he was when they announced this? Do they want to spend that kind of money? And where they already had five or six shows lined up. I mean, there are just too many things that we don't know about. Somebody at CBS has to be thinking about it because if they're not, shame on them. I mean, but they mean they're going to be thinking about anything. They're going to be figuring out, you know, could we reboot TNG? I mean, in addition to the Picard thing. I mean, they've got to be thinking about everything. Even if, you know, I mean, um, Jonathan. Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis once joked that they would love to do a half hour comedy about them as a married couple on the Starship Titan. They yeah. want to do it as a sitcom. I'd watch and it. I, I, I yeah. thought that would be hysterical. Yeah. Keith, thank you very much for calling in. We actually have a, we've had a couple of other people uh, lined up, but thank you very much for calling in and we'll talk to you soon. Live wrong and perspire. <laughs> Take it easy, sir. Till next time. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or uh, at the Facebook page. You can just uh, click in right there. Uh, Scott has been waiting patiently. Good evening, Scott. Good evening, John and Ken. Good to see you guys again. Hey, how wow. are you tonight? You're inside. I, <laughs> yes. For what? They let me in. For people who don't watch the video, uh, <laughs> Scott usually calls us from outside, uh, which he's not doing this evening. What's on your mind tonight, sir? Well, I do have a question before I run on that, though. Um, I would take a moment to say I do, off from the polarizing questions going on, I do get a chance through my work to see a lot of podcasts and experience a lot of trick um, podcasts and the like. Um, but I wanted to give kudos to you guys. I do love ribbing you, especially you, Ken, because Thank I you. love you. Yes, but, I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> but, you know, you guys bring a level of professionalism and entertainment to the podcast, especially Star Trek podcast industry that I find nowhere else. I know it's, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication to do what you guys are doing. Not sure if you get any kudos, but I just wanted to throw that out there. That no. I appreciate what you guys do. Very well done and appreciate well, that, that. That is very kind of you to say. And uh, thank you sincerely. And uh, please direct those comments to Rod at uh, Roddenberry <laughs> Entertainment. <laughs> Let me uh, I'll do it next time we talk. Yeah. <laughs> Let me say really quickly that is, that's very kind of you, sir. Thank you. Thank I don't you. want to just I mean, thank you. Yeah. Get, now get to your question. So we can talk about some- <laughs> okay. I, I brought this up on the last live and I, I still carry concern as, as we're moving forward. We're talking about the polarizing things, whether they be fake or whether they be true and seeming that Star Trek may, may uh, loosely have a somewhat of an unsh- or a shaky future. If, if it will, I want to propose a question to you guys, if I may, if mm-hmm. you, Tonight, we're given showrunner status. Now, the future of Star Trek is in both your guys' hands. Where where do you feel Star Trek, uh, as, as health status, is? Where would you possibly take this the show forward or a new show, a new career, or whatever? I, th- I, I think that we're worried about crews. We're worried about uh, in, incarnations of this and that. And in essence, you, you tell me guys, if you feel the same way or not, that I think the segue between TOS and the next generation proved that if we keep the essence of what Star Trek is safe, we can take artistic license all, all day and all night with new crews, new this and new that as long as we keep that essence the same, which is talking about the human condition. I guess we can wrap that in a nutshell. Well, where would you guys take this from here? I'd go right where you're talking about. I mean, only because a lot of people are making fun, uh, and not to keep talking about Apple stuff, but I do a daily Apple News podcast. A lot of people keep making fun of the fact that Tim Cook is pretty committed to having positive stories. And I think he actually said on the March event where he announced Apple TV plus good stories can change the world. And, and that's that honestly, it feels like whether that is Star Trek's job, that is what a lot of people turn to Star Trek 
to get. And that is, I mean, we've talked, John and I have talked to people in Vegas. Other people have done interviews about, you know, how they are what they are now because of Star Trek. And I don't mean that in any sort of like philosophical sense, although certainly there are those people, but they're like people who are pilots because they wanted to fly the Enterprise and being a pilot was the closest they could come to it. And you, you don't get that from Game of Thrones. And I love Game of Thrones. I mean, they're, 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 they're different things, but I think what I would want to do is the same kind of thing that I've always talked about on Mission Log. I mean, it just, you know, start off with a, okay, so humanity's fine. There are still problems out there. And secretly, we're still addressing humanity's problems, but we're saying, oh, it's this alien race on this planet that's dealing with this thing. And we talk about how we got past it. And that's just somebody saying, we can get past this. Here's one way we might be able to. That would be the kind of thing that I would that I would love to love to see happen. And I think you can still deliver drama. I think you can still deliver comedy. I think you can still do all of that. I was thinking about during the last the last call when Keith was on, and it's just like a random thing. I want I want them to give if we're just going to give Star Trek to whomever to play with, whoever wrote um, uh, into the Spider Verse. I would love to see their treatment of Star Trek because that was so nuts. Yeah. It was so incredibly weird, and yet it, it delivered a Star Trek message. And it wasn't Star Trek, obviously, but it delivered a superhero message. It delivered a, it delivered a positive message, and it really played with your head the whole time that it was doing it. Um, I mean, I'd rather not see the level of violence that Tarantino might bring, but I'm not going to let that necessarily stop it. In the end, I want that, I want that guiding star. I, I, want, I want it to be... We always know that we're headed in that direction so that we don't stop and say, well, now, but let's consider this thing that originally we had said we'd given up 250 years ago. Or, you know, well, let's, let's, let's weigh the option of you don't get more than half an episode of like trying to figure out whether you should kill a guy right? <laughs> or send a guy, you know, strapped with explosives back to his people to kill everybody else there. You don't get more than five minutes in that discussion before somebody goes, you know what we're not going to do? that i mean i basically i go back to tos and tng i guess is the thing i still think there's plenty of room to play in there um witness the orville i mean they're they're doing some funny stuff they're doing some interesting stuff they're doing some different looking stuff they are also going back and basically doing star trek stories um actual star trek stories that we've all seen before you can watch some episodes of the orville and go oh they're doing this they're doing symbiosis they're doing and, and symbiosis was not one but you can you can see which episodes they're doing that would seem to prove that there's still a, a still a desire for that out there it's episodic it's not incredibly dark it's human beings walking around sometimes tripping over their own shoelaces sometimes messing things up but always trying to be always trying to be what what uh, Picard and Riker and Kirk and McCoy and everybody else were always trying to be too. So that would be my vote. John. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree with you now uh, from a, I, I think you've laid out a really good plan for thematically what Star Trek could and should be. And, and we see wild deviations from that. I mean, you and I on the regular mission log are looking at DS9 in real time. We've just come out of season two of Discovery. And these two, you can definitely chalk up as deviations from the, the formula that, that you're describing, Ken. Yeah, I, I would like to see morality plays that also have deep, heady sci-fi ideas. They don't all have to have a UC Timmy moment. They don't all have to have a Dr. Roger Corby Sometimes you can do the funny show. Sometimes you can do the horror show. Uh, but ultimately, I want a, uh, the, the canvas when I step away from it to have that, that Star Trek feel. Now, from I'm going to answer this question a little bit differently. From a production point of view, somebody hand me the keys of the kingdom. What would I do? Well, I'd probably back off movies for a while. <laughs> to be quite honest, <laughs> Star Trek has a difficult history with movies. I back off for a little bit. I think we're on the right path with uh, with TV, though. I love the idea of two animated series that are going after two different audiences. Uh, I, I want to see where Discovery goes, not because it's my favorite Star Trek, but I want to see what happens when that show really gets its legs and they've given themselves a provocative way to start their next season. I would love to see a Pike show. 
Absolutely. I, I think I speak for many Star Trek fans when I want to see that happen. But here's the other thing. I would also use the opportunity of the generous budgets CBS has given to Star Trek now and the security of the platform of CBS All Access, which I, I will defend over and over again. I know it's not the most popular thing with a lot of fans, but it is the right place for the right show. And it gives the producers enough flexibility to say, hey, let's do a six episode uh, miniseries that is this little slice of Star Trek. And maybe it's this in-between period between the TOS movies and TNG. Now let's go do this other slice that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, post endgame Voyager. And now let's go to this other little slice where maybe we, uh, we undo the damage of the end of Enterprise, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but, but they, they could really afford themselves that flexibility. You don't have to shoot for the moon every time. You don't have to have huge cinematic space battles every time. Uh, but they're clearly putting effort and production value into what they are doing. Um, I like the idea of mixing it up a bit, doing the anthology show that Star Trek used to be, and you can truly make it an anthology by jumping all over the place. And maybe you can do that better with animation. But again, the, the more the merrier. So, um, yeah, I think you guys, uh, you know, change begins with a discussion is what I usually try to say. If you want to change something in your life, if you want to tell a good tale, as Ken said, Change begins with a discussion, starts with a dialogue. I think you guys said it best when I was listening to the podcast on the inner light and you were, you were going down the top Star Trek episodes. Notice, and I think, John, you said this, notice that the top, which was uh, the one with the, uh, oh, gosh, here I go with doing what Ken does, the, the inner light and uh, the seat on the edge of forever. But notice those were not epic space battles. Those were yeah. a journey. Yeah. And, and that's what Star Trek does best when it does best and hits home and can hit home with any generation if we stay there, I think. But, but here's the thing, though. I, I think there's one caveat. You have to earn those episodes. Mm, if, I agree. If you had started Star Trek with uh, the inner light or family or I, I think the audience would have been confused. I think you earn an episode like family uh, after you've done the best of both worlds and you earn an episode like the inner light, not because there was a direct predecessor, but because we had learned so much about Picard over time um, that, that it really made it poignant to see the life not lived and, and what kind of impact uh, the, that that would have on him to just go like, Oh, I got to walk in somebody else's shoes for a lifetime and carry a piece of that with me now. Um, it, it, it helped to deepen his character even more than the deep character that we already got to know. Um, so yeah, I, I think you have to be careful with those and, and spread those out. You know, one of the complaints, uh, in Discovery season two, uh, was when they, they killed off Arium, but they killed off Arium at the end of an episode where we just started to get to know Arium. And it, it felt like this is one of those things where I'm still torn a little bit about because it felt like a cheap gimmick to give you the emotional context and then kill her off. And you could say, well, in hindsight, they should have given you the character clues. They should have built her up over several episodes because, of course, you have the luxury of several episodes. Um, downside uh, or I, I would say the the thing that is in, in the uh, in the positive for the writers, producers on Discovery yeah, you know what? You could make a a compelling, emotionally driven character piece in an hour and, and actually let yes. us care about a character and care about that character's fate in an hour. Uh, this is why you guys should run the show, I think. <laughs> well, look, we know a guy. We know a guy. We'll get you an address. <laughs> Thank you guys for taking my call. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very you much, so guys. It's always a pleasure. Hey, um, we have about one extra minute. I hate to do this to Craig. Craig, hey, Craig. can you pose yeah, can you pose your question super fast? Oh, it's actually comments. I would like to get to Ken. I, I need more time because uh, I wanted I wanted to talk to about his how he approaches Deep Space Nine, his his uh, conflict, and how I approach it and how I would be directed as an actor with Quentin Tarantino, but um, I, 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 oh, I'm going to talk another time. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I hate to do that, but I'm afraid we're going to have to because unfortunately we are right up against the uh, right up against the end of the well, show. Um, okay, I do want to say to you, I really enjoy Vision Log and Rod. In my opinion, it is the best Star Trek podcast. And Ken, you did forget to mention, you know, uh, this side of paradise is your favorite episode. <laughs> I, I have no problem with I have no problem with that episode. I had a lot of problem with the uh, with the follow on from that episode. <laughs> That's an enjoyable episode that I might watch again and again and again in my nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, on on Deep Space Nine, I understand your frustration with Deep Space Nine and how I did. I had a ex- similar experience. Now, Deep Space Nine, I love Star Trek, but I learned to watch it kind of like a soap opera because it's so character driven. For example, when Kira and Odo kissed, I stood up screaming in joy. And when he bathed her in light, you know, I shed a tear. It's much more character driven. So I, I, I differentiated between the two. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we're out of time. I understand what you're saying and I appreciate what you're saying. And and this really needs to be a longer conversation. Yeah. So Craig, call us back. Absolutely. Seriously. I will. Yeah, I will. Yeah, Thanks. Thanks a lot, man. I, I love appreciate it. it. And, and thank you, everybody else who called in as well. Um, John is actually here without me next week. I'm going to be traveling. Yeah. So 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 call in and talk about my time in jail as yeah. we did See, when John was away. See, that's what's funny is that, that now you get to preface you get to set up your own little uh, vacation. Me, I, I didn't do that. I, I gave no warning. And you just. Yeah. Well, just and, that and ran with it. Yeah. It's because I was going to tell Craig, I was going to say, call back next week. And he can call back next week and talk about me if he wants to. But <laughs> I won't be here to answer his questions. Hey, do want to let everybody know uh, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log and Mission Log Live, but also Women at Warp, Priority One, and the Trek Files, and daily Star Trek news. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, that'd be fantastic. Patreon.com slash Mission Log is the place to do that. Thanks to everybody who joined us live or later. And we will talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.